You're listening to Vancouver Hoops Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by No One. What? 8477 Miami. Boston was up by like, Boston was up by double digits like five minutes ago. Alright, welcome to another edition of Vancouver Hoops. Joined today by Fawns and Brandon. How you guys doing? Good, good. Final four. You're here. Final four, baby. It's good to see you guys. So we got so much to talk about. Um, the Clippers choking. <laughs> Denver showing up. The Lakers Nuggets preview. Houston coming up small. Is this it for the Toronto Raptors? What's going on with the Greek Freak? A Heat and Celtics preview. Which, cha- which team has the best chance to beat the Lakers? And our reaction to the all-NBA teams. And so much more. So let's get started with uh, the Clippers... A choke job. <laughs> so, I guess we'll start with Brandon. As uh, the biggest Clippers fan here, what happened? What went wrong? Oh, man. Where do we start, right? <laughs> well, you know, like we were talking about earlier, it's uh, they came in with a lot of potential and unfortunately didn't live up to the hype. I think they were starting to believe in the hype, right? I think there's a lot of talking uh, on their side, but... You know, it became very evident that uh, even when they were up 3-1, that Doc Rivers was getting out coached, right? And unfortunately, this continues to hamper his coaching career, is having these series leads and can't finish out, right? So, and if you kind of look at sort of how the games progressed, he never really adjusted his team in terms of the minutes played and things like that. Um, he just keeps rolling out the same seven, right? And unfortunately, has no feel. And it's not like he had terrible bench. He had probably one of the deepest benches in the league, right? Now, you could argue some of them didn't show up. But again, he had the pieces in place, right? So I don't know. It's going to be a lot of, uh, you know, Steve Ballmer's really going to have to take a look at this, this situation. Yeah, man. Fawns? <laughs> um, I think they, they, they did a pretty good job of getting the lead not necessarily of keeping that lead. <laughs> um, I think they probably got a little bit too comfortable even before game seven. Uh, I think it was right after game six, actually, Paul George said, we're still in the driver's seat. We're not worried. I mean, when you've just lost, what, two straight games and you're looking at a potential game seven against a team that is nowhere near on paper ranked as, as high as you are, I mean, that that is a moment to worry. So I think they... They, as Brandon said, they started believing the hype. They didn't take the Nuggets seriously. Who, who I mean, Jamal Murray and and, Jok- and Jokic have just proved to be straight up dogs. Like they are, and they they're beasts. Especially Murray. I mean, what he what is he averaging right? I don't know what he's averaging, but I know last night uh, it was a forty point game. Yeah, forty piece. And so I mean, they're elite competitors. But I think that if you just give them another year. I think Kawhi and, and PG might just find that synergy that they need. Um, but, I mean, I was rooting for them because I think that Kawhi is the only one man who could kind of put a, a, a space bar on LeBron James. <laughs> so it'll be interesting. I, I was hoping to see a bit more action, so hopefully the Nuggets can give that to the Lakers. Yeah, man. So... The Clippers are a major disappointment. From the start of the season, everyone wanted to see the Battle of L.A. Kawhi signed with his team. He spurned the Lakers. He teamed up with Paul George to square off against the Lakers in the playoffs. Everyone was waiting for that, and it didn't happen. Here's what I think happened. The Clippers, um, they just never got it going. There was something missing the entire season. Uh, between Paul George and Kawhi Leonard's injuries and just resting games, even when they're, when they're healthy, they never, like you mentioned, Fonz developed that synergy. And um, what what really hurt them, I think, was the layoff. Because before that, Montrez Harrell and Lou Williams were, like, both averaging 18 points a game, and they're on fire, like, the whole year. We come back into the bubble, and both of those guys, like, Lou Williams is, like – left the bubble and then got himself into some trouble. <laughs> uh, and then, he, so he had to dump quarantine again. Montrez Harrell has some kind of family tragedy and he had to leave. But when they came back and it like, 
they never got their their mojo. Lou Williams hit four of seven or four. He hit four of threes in the entire series. Four threes. So he's averaging like a half a three per game. Like, dude, this this guy. Oh, anyways, it's not it's not his fault. Like they should have still been able to get it done. They're the way more talented team. Um, I was rooting for them, like you mentioned, Fonts, because like I thought this was the only team that could beat the Lakers. And now I worry I worry that at you know, the Lakers are just gonna coast to the, the chip, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and and mind you, we for for our our people tuning in and listening, we're not haters. Okay, we love LeBron James. We love the sport, but we want a bit of competitiveness. We don't want to just see the Lakers just fly by with an easy pass goal. Yo, man, <laughs> I've been I've been called a hater before. <laughs> in some in some audiences, I've been called a hater, but but hey, no, I I I was uh, at one point in my life, I kind of liked LeBron James. When he went back to Cleveland, I'm. You know, I was like, you know, I might be able to root for this guy. And then he proceeded to get Andrew Wiggins traded. He got Anthony Bennett traded. They traded, they flipped the whole team again and brought in Kevin Love. And I'm like, yo, this guy hasn't changed. He goes in there, gets the coach fired, trades every single player. And then <laughs> he does that everywhere he goes, man. So, yeah, no, I'm not a, I'm not a fan. But, yeah, yeah, I was going for Clippers to beat it. They, they, they never got it going. Playoff P was uh, so, someone called him way off P when he hit that backboard. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, man, 10 points, 4, 16 shooting. Kawhi Leonard, okay, Kawhi Leonard didn't have a good game seven. I can't put this on him, though, because he was on fire the entire playoffs. Like, he was balling. I feel like his team just never showed up. People are using this to say that, oh, look, Kawhi is no longer in that conversation as the best player. It was, it's one game. We've seen... Lots of players have one bad game. But playoff P was bad for most of the games, <laughs> and so was the bench. So I don't know what to say. Next question, where do the Clippers go from here, Fonz? Um, well, it, I mean, it all depends on whether or not Doc Rivers gets fired. Uh, I wouldn't doubt that'll happen. I think they might be able to bring in a few more pieces the bench but I think they should I mean they should stick to what they have see if they can give it another season see if they can develop that synergy between PG and Kawhi fair enough Brandon you got where, where, where do the Clippers go from here this is your team Brandon tell us what they need to do to compete for that title next year well it doesn't help when you basically traded almost all your first-round picks this decade, right? So whatever they have left, they may have to – they got to figure out because I think they're going to need a third piece because Kawhi is your lead, but I don't think Paul George is kind of that 1B guy anymore. I think he's second tier. So I don't know whether it's a combination of getting more support players or do they need to, you know, make a big three like team for building in the past, right? So I'm not quite sure. Um, but again, it's, they're going to have to look at that bench because I think both of them are up for contracts. I think Carol and Lou Williams. So one's going to have to go and we'll see what the money left over. And if they're willing to go over and pay the tax, you know, maybe they can bring in uh, a few more decent players. Yeah, man. So like you said, Montrez is a free agent. So if they, if they start re-signing these guys to so their market value, they're going to be way into the luxury tax. And uh, as we saw, like, Montrez Harrell cannot guard Nikola Jokic. So our next segment is to get into, like, Denver. Like, but, like, if Denver becomes a powerhouse and they're going to have to run into them every year in the playoffs, you know, do you want to go after someone that can't guard the guy? Like, he, <laughs> Jokic just tore him up, man. <laughs> I mean, maybe if Trez is completely mm -hmm. healthy and in sync, it'd be a different story, but as it stands, it wasn't good enough. So that's one issue. Another issue, they traded four first-round picks for playoff P. They traded another one for Marcus Morris. So they don't have any picks, really. They have no assets. They got no rookies coming in. So 
I don't know what they're going to do. They they might have to re-sign their free agents just to be able to match salaries in a trade because um, they're already capped out. So they're they're not going to be able to go sign somebody either. So I don't know what to say. (laughs) And, uh, you know, playoff, like Paul, not Paul Pierce, Paul George. Yo, Paul George, man, he's only got one year left on that contract. What if they come up short again next year, you know? Is he gonna is he gonna walk? You know, I think Kawhi only sh- signed a short term deal too, so they got to figure this out in a hurry, man. So speaking about Denver, though, like, do you think Denver is gonna become a every year type of powerhouse type of team, or is this kind of like they captured magic in a bottle, right place, right time, in a bubble? They got hot and the Clippers got cold. What what's gonna happen with Denver? Well, if we if we take this back here and <laughs> and we and we look at what made the Clippers great last year is they were such a you know no superstar in that team really, and you know they weren't easy out for I think the Warriors I think they played the Warriors in the first round last year, so you were hoping that when they would come into this year they were kind of carry that over, and so to me Denver that they're kind of they got better talent than the Clippers did last year. But again, I think it's like what you said. I think they caught lightning in a bottle. I think they were the benefactors of the, of the bubble situation. Um, but again, I think they're going, to, they're going to make it really tough for the Lakers. They play really well as a team. They kind of remind me of the Raptors. They play really well as a group. And that's really hard to, to defend against when they're all believing in it. Oh, it's a close game. 89-87, Miami. Snap. Five left in the fourth. We get some live updates from Fawns, Miami, Boston. 89-89? 89-87. Crazy. From Miami. Yo, Miami. That that That's a team I have a lot to say about right there. Hey, we, we're going to get wait, I'll wait for that segment to get him. <laughs> that team, man. Man, Jalen Brown is killing it today. That guy looks like he looks like a, a robot, man. He's, he's, he's I, like... <laughs> I've always... So... A buddy of mine is a really big Boston fan. Yeah. But um, he's always, like, talking trash because Boston beat Toronto. And, and yeah, yeah. he called it from the beginning. But I always like to bother him because I find that Jalen Brown's head – you know Maltesers? The, the chocolate, the yeah, chocolate yeah. Maltesers candy, like the little round yeah. balls. I find that that's what – like, when I look at Jalen Brown's head, it looks like a Malteser. Like, it just looks like a round chocolate ball. I, I don't know. I, I think it's because his hairline is, like, so – it's not that it's receded. It's just so high up, and his forehead is so round and shiny. It just – it looks like a Malteser, man. Yeah, man, Jalen Brown. He's like, he's kind of, like, emotionless. I don't know what, what happened to him. As a, who hurt him? Who he's hurt jaded. Him? He's jaded. He's jaded. <laughs> Fawn, is Denver here to stay or what? Uh, I think it, it, I don't, I want to say that they're going to take the chip, but Denver? they're just, they're just so, Denver? I, I want to say that because they, they're hot right now. And if they keep building on this momentum that they have all the way through to the, to, to let's say the, the conference finals or to the finals, but even if they don't, this is an awesome experience for some really young talent that they have. I mean, they have, uh, who is it? Uh, Gary Harris. They've got, um, they got a couple other young guys that are really, really starting to break out. And I think that this is a very good opportunity for them to mature. I mean, playing, cause p- just playing at this level changes the, the whole, your whole style of play. Like we've seen that from from Tyler Hero. I mean, Tyler Hero. Sorry, he's. Yeah, he's good. I mean, he he was a beast, and he's playing even better now. You would, I mean, you would think that oh, a rookie playing in the playoffs would just get like, you know, locked down, or, or he would get scared. But I mean, he's proving to be a true asset to Miami. So I think that if these young guys that are with the Nuggets. After this, I mean, even if they do lose, take it home next year, they'll be serious contenders for, for the playoffs. I think I have to agree with you. Like, Denver, you know you know what I'm saying? Like, Jokic, 
he's kind of unguardable. Jamal Murray, I mean, he, he didn't have, like, a, a t- tremendous regular season. He put up 18 points a game, which is, like, nine less than Devin Booker. But I've seen some stuff from him in this playoffs where he just took over and he got hot and he couldn't be guarded. Now, that brings me to another point. Why, why, you know, why do they have Laundry Shamit guarding <laughs> Jamal Murray, man? Like the clip, Doc Rivers, man, he needs to be fired after that. Why is oh. Kawhi Leonard not on Jamal Murray? They let him get hot and that was the game. How much does Landry Shamit weigh? Hold on. He weighs 110 pounds. Yo, how are you? <laughs> I mean, J- Jamal Murray, he's not like a he's not like a LeBron James type physical yeah. dude, but I mean, he's not he's thick. He's not a thin dude, and I mean, Landry Shamit's like, I mean, he's he's what 110 pounds if he's soaking wet. <laughs> so I mean, uh, yeah, go. Ahead. I agree with you, man. Yo, anyways, back to the Nuggets, man. I think they're going to be good next year. I think they can challenge the Lakers. They're going to have to remain hot, though. And Jokic is going to have to be able to somehow... I think he's up up for it. I don't know if they're going to start AD on him or Dwight on him or JaVale. But Jokic, the good thing about him is he's so patient that even if you, like, double-team him or put a big man on him, he doesn't panic. He just kind of palms the ball, holds it out, and waits for someone to cut, right? And he, yeah. no look He's smart. He's smart He's smart. Him. Yeah, so I'm not worried about him against the Lakers. And what I saw was some, like, solid rim protection from him against the Clippers. Like, no one was getting layups. So, yeah, I think the Nuggets, like, they got a chance to, to be good continually, especially if, um, what's the kid's name, Michael Porter Jr., like, develops into something. We got Will the Thrill Barton not even playing. You know, what if he comes back, right? <laughs> so, yeah. So, I mean, their team's pretty good. Jeremy Grant, I was surprised with his defense. It was pretty good. Harris is starting to play himself back into shape. Like, his team's got some weapons. Can they beat the Lakers, which is my next question? I'm going to say yes, but I'm not betting on it. Brandon, can they beat the Lakers? They have a very good chance to beat the Lakers, as we've been saying, right? It's um, They've got a really good bench. It, it became very evident against the Clippers that uh, they, they have some depth on that bench. And as well, it's going to be interesting because I think it'll be the first time that be, I think with Jokic, I think he's going to wear down either LeBron, if they're going to use LeBron to defend, or if they're going to use AD. So this might give them a chance if they could get one of them, start to get him into foul trouble. Um, you know, just tire them out a little bit because really the Lakers haven't been getting any competition from the Blazers. They hadn't got it from uh, for the Rockets. So this will be quite challenging for LA in terms of, you know, how they're going to contain uh, the middle. And yeah, I think they have a good chance, but I think the Lakers just have the edge. I think that Jokic has what the Rockets wanted, which is the ability to stretch the floor and play without a center per se but at the same time have somebody to be quote-unquote big man on the floor because he's gonna wear out Anthony Davis I mean lately Anthony Davis has been looking a lot more athletic true but I mean Jokic his his play style is is not he he's 100% unique nobody that has his size combined with his vision like his court vision is insane and i mean he proved that he can knock down a three-pointer off of a on an unbalanced off of one foot so (laughs) i think it's it's a really good dynamic and i think that that's kind of what houston was trying to do sort of is have somebody with his style of play but it just didn't work out (laughs) for sure man so yeah so can can the nuggets beat the lakers or what I don't. I don't want to say yes, and I don't want to say no. I would. Li- I would like to say yes, but I mean, I said yes about Toronto, and I said yes about Houston, and yeah. here we are. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see if they take game one. That's what we said about Houston too. Anyways, and we go to Houston now. So we know Houston plays small ball. Well, they came up small against the Lakers. They took game one, and then they they got swept after that. Four games to nothing. What happened to Houston, Brandon? 
Uh, with Houston? Um, yeah, it's a tough one. Obviously, uh, small ball is, I guess it doesn't really work in the playoffs, right? So, um, <laughs> evidently. Yeah, well, it works in the regular season because really, schematically, a lot of teams don't really have time to, you know, how to defend against this type of lineup. Whereas, you know, you get into a, you know, four, seven game series, people start to, you know, create the right defenses against it, right? So, um, I don't know. It's going to be really hard. They got, they got talent. Um, but again, it's, can they build around Harden? Because he kind of, in my opinion, I think he kind of disappeared towards the end of the series. Um, I guess they were just defending him a lot closer, right? So, yeah, yeah I, you know, a change at head coach obviously might help, but it's going to be whether, you know, if, if James is going to buy into the change, uh, I guess that's what we're going to have to see next year. Yeah, fair enough, man. Yeah, Houston, uh, they definitely came up small. They had some bigs on their bench. I think they had Isaiah Hartenstein and Ty- Tyson Chandler. A big man did not play once in the entire series, except when someone got injured and then the Lakers picked Tyson Chandler to come in to shoot one free throw as a technical off the bench. <laughs> that was the only time. And then D'Antoni immediately took him out. So they were committed to their philosophy to a fault where they – they wanted to, it seemed like they wanted to play from a deficit because the Lakers were consistently five, six, seven inches taller than the Rockets. Now, Jeff Green was a nice pickup because he was like 6'10 and he's still mobile. So, you know, you could say he, he was definitely their biggest player. And without him, it would have been even more lopsided. But uh, I was actually pleasantly surprised with James Harden. I, I thought, unlike series in the past, he, he showed up for most of the games despite the double teams. Um, now, on the other hand, I was disappointed with Russell Westbrook in his first playoffs with the Houston Rockets. Uh, he played out of control, like, the entire series. You know, he'd drive uh, at the last second, kick it out to n- nobody. <laughs> he had so many turnovers, and it was cold from three the entire series, which he often is. And... Uh, yeah, he just – he lost a few few of those games for them. And uh, the whole point of going small was to free Russell Westbrook up. And I, I just didn't see that – I didn't see that happening. So, to me, the experiment on small ball failed. Fonz? Um, I don't think that small ball was their problem. Okay. Because, I mean – when I think that the problem was that they started depending too much on their stars who just weren't producing. Yeah. James Harden, he had a, one game where he scored 30, and then he had another game where he scored, I think it was like 18. And then Russell Westbrook started the first game of the series with, I think it was like 25, and then he went up to 30, and then he went down to like 10, and then he went back up to 30, and then down to 25. So it was... Each individual player had their night, had their off, their good nights and their off nights, but they just couldn't. I think it was kind of the same problem with the Clippers, where they just couldn't find any synergy because there was one game which they somehow lost, which was I think it was Game Four, where both Harden and it was either Game Three or Game Four, where both Harden and Westbrook both had at least thirty points, right? And they lost. So I don't, I don't know if it's that the small ball isn't working, I think it has a lot to do with the, the how the team focuses itself around the one or two players. Because a lot of people, I mean, you watch Houston and you depend on either James Harden or Russell Westbrook to create your scoring. When Houston has a ton of scorers, I mean, they've got uh, Eric Gordon, who, if I'm not mistaken, won a three-point. Uh, he's a three-point champion, all-star weekend champion, I yep. think, two years ago, three years ago. Yeah, you have P.J. Tucker, who, I mean, the commentators say it a lot. I don't know if I believe it, but they say that he's the best corner three-point shooter. Yeah. Um, it might not be true, most. but he can make them. Yeah. So they, Robert Covington, he's an amazing scorer as well. So I think it's that they just couldn't find a night where they were all consistently scoring. They were really shoddy. And a team that depends on their three-point shooting is a team that depends on getting hot. 
And when a team depends on getting hot, it's going to be consistently, it's going to be inconsistent. Sorry. It's going to be really streaky. So I think had they managed to get hot, but I think that with Russ Westbrook's uh, injury during the beginning of the, or midway through the bubble, that kind of threw them off. And then when he came back, Harden had his off nights and then Westbrook had his off nights. It did. They just couldn't click, but I don't think that small ball was a problem. I think it could work. They just need to give it time. Fair enough. I felt like for most of the series too, the team was just at a talent deficit compared to the Lakers. Like I'm not talking at the top with Harden and Westbrook, but after that, it just seemed like Houston had more quality contributors. So when the Houston's big three of Gordon, Harden, Westbrook wasn't on, it's just like you said, the team just died. There's no one, no one was there to pick them up. I mean, Ben Macklemore, some of these guys just. They need like a they needed like a backup point guard that that was also a creator like just how like Rondo came in and helped Lakers take a couple games like they didn't have anyone like that so that's what happened we go to Milwaukee where you know there's a lot being made right now about the Clippers choking uh, yeah. Yeah, they did not have the best record in the league. They did not have the MVP. They did not have the defensive player of the year. We It seems like we've forgotten that the Milwaukee Bucks barely got one game. And that one game was not when Giannis Antetokounmpo was dressed because he rolled his ankle. Right, so, Fonz, are we going to let Giannis get off the hook with his early exit to the Miami Heat? I said it in the last podcast, and I will say it again. And if Denny was here, he would say it with me. (laughs) Giannis Antetokounmpo is the most overrated player in the NBA right now. How, I mean, this, it's, you can't go from being, from having the best record in the NBA, from having the defensive player, of the year, which I am also putting air quotes around because I do not believe he deserved that. <laughs> and the MVP, he was MVP this year, correct? That's, that's right. Yeah, back to back. Also, why? <laughs> but, hey, I mean, everybody wants to ride the Giannis wave. That's fine. Do your thing. But I, I honestly, Miami just straight outplayed them. I mean, every single game. Even the game that they that the Milwaukee won, Miami outplayed them. Like, hands down. Jimmy Butler, Jimmy gets buckets. Like, this is the... Miami is a team who is just going to dog its way through the playoffs. And that's what they did against the, the Bucks. And the Bucks just couldn't find a way to stop that grind and that hustle that, that Jimmy Butler and the and the Miami Heat have. I mean, and Miami Heat's got like a bunch of rookies and sophomores on the team. And look yeah, at man. them go. Crazy. And and the fact that you get like almost swept in the playoffs by a team that nobody thought would even make the playoffs, I mean that should speak for itself. <laughs> It's pretty embarrassing. Brandon, what do you got for us, man? Well, again, it's a major disappointment because, you know, <laughs> we've gone back-to-back years for Giannis where, you know, again, uh, there's a lot of hype about him, but, you know, can't seem to get past the second round, right? So when, when you put it all together, um, you know, it's kind of like if we were to make a comparison, I always think, okay, like in hockey, right? There's some teams that are really good in the regular season. They're finesse teams. And but when you get into the playoff, you got to win ugly sometimes, right? You got to be willing to do things, you know, that's you know maybe cheap or whatever how you want to say it, right? But you got to, you know, in Miami Heat have that like a team that you know they were decent in the regular season, but now they're just playing together. They don't play that, you know, like I would say finesse basketball, but it gets but they get it done, right? And that's what Giannis is. He's just a finesse player. He doesn't, he's not a 1A, he's a 1B. So for him to move forward, if he wants to win championships, he's going to have to find, you know, he's going to have to find Batman, right? Because he's really Robin in the end. A bold take by Brandon. Speaking, <laughs> sorry to interrupt. Speaking yeah, of Miami Heat. Interrupt they, me at any point. They just won game two. 
106, Yo. 101. I'm telling you, man, Jimmy G Yo. buckets right there. What is it? One point, <laughs> one point finish, one point separation. No, uh, 106, 101. Okay, five point. Dude, that's crazy. This, this man, Jimmy G buckets, man. I'm telling Dude. you, this might be his year. This, mm-hmm. I'm, I would, th- yeah. I, I'm 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 really impressed with what Miami's doing. Yeah, you know what? I didn't have it on my list, but I think I'm gonna devote a whole segment to the Heat coming up after this. Um, but quickly, I'm gonna touch on the Bucks here. Giannis Antetokounmpo, some good points you guys brought up. Um, you said like the Bucks didn't play grimy enough. They didn't get dirty. They had the number one defensive team in the league in the regular season. So some would say that you know they they should have been able to to match that playing style but like you said once the playoffs started that disappeared um Giannis Antetokounmpo what can I say they walled them off and uh it works Eric Bledsoe don't know what to say man the Suns were never that good with him so I don't know why he should go to another team and (laughs) make that much of a difference uh they should have re-signed Malcolm Brogdon and set and not replace them. Chris Middleton got exposed as a poor second banana. I just, I have flashbacks of him just like complaining and whining and looking, <laughs> looking lost the entire series because he couldn't get it going, man. He just drive to the hoop, get blocked by Bam and cry for a foul every time. Like he, no, he, he's a good role player. He probably shouldn't have been an all-star. And he's probably going to be a third or fourth option on a championship team, not the second. So, <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, it's, you, yeah? It's embarrassing, man. You're the <laughs> MVP yeah. and the defensive player of the year. And the only game your team wins <laughs> is the game when you are sitting on the bench. Right in the pine. Give that trophy back. <laughs> it should be nullified. <laughs> Yo, that's crazy, man. Yeah, no, I don't know what to say about the Bucks. So we go to the Miami Heat, and I know Fonz has a lot to say on this subject. Um, I'm going to start us off. Miami's my new team. Uh... Miami is my new team. One, and we're going to get to this in the next segment. I know it's hard to control yourself. We keep putting it off. I think Miami is the only team that has a chance to beat the Lakers. So that that is one reason why I'll be rooting for them. Secondly, I like what they're doing. I like I like the I like the way they play. They play aggressively. They play dirty. Um, you know, what I mean, they get down. They got they got their shooters with Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, Goran Dragic, and they got their their nastiness with Jay Crowder, Jimmy Butler, Andre Iguodala, and and Bam Adebayo. So I mean, I'm gonna go into later why I think that might be enough to take down the Lakers. But uh, yeah, man, I like this Miami team. They're now ten and one in the bubble. I'm sorry, in the playoffs, ten and one. They've lost one game, and that was. Uh, game where Giannis didn't play, so they probably just took it lightly. <laughs> uh, other than that, they're, they're ten and zero. So, what can I say, man? Miami, Fonz, unload on me. What do you got here? Jimmy G buckets. That's Yo, all I have to say, man. Jimmy buckets. Oh my goodness. Um, if you wanted to watch some nitty gritty street ball. Just watch Miami Heat, man. If you're missing that outdoor, grimy, no fouls called, everything counts ball, Miami Heat is your team. I mean, these guys are crazy. Tyler Hero is a stone-cold killer. He, he's a rookie, and he's exposing all these sophomores and and. and, and Dudes who have been in the league for like four or five years. He, his whole mentality when he's playing basketball is just so precise and so calculated. And I like the fact that he, he's getting a lot of encouragement and constructive criticism from 
uh, some of the older dudes in Miami, like Jay Crowder. He's he could be considered a vet. Same with uh, Jimmy Butler. But earlier in the game, just now, he uh, he passed up a, a, a not a free throw, but a pretty easy jump shot, and he caused a turnover. And immediately, you saw uh, Jay Crowder run over to him and start like not berating berating him, but just kind of speaking pretty 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 strictly like yo listen like you what are you doing man like take your shot you know you can make those and the next 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 uh next possession what did he do he came he drained a three so he's he's the kind of dude that like he listens and that's really important as a rookie because a lot of these rookies come into the league and and you see them once they start getting hot they get pretty cocky and that's usually when you see their their um their their careers start to kind of decline as opposed to, to, to other guys who are just willing to learn from, from their more experienced teammates. So I think that uh, Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, they've got a couple other young, energetic guys, Derek Jones Jr. I mean, these are all guys that are, they, they want to win. You can, you can see it in their faces and, and in the, the way they play. Like this is a team so far, this is, one of the only teams in the playoffs who's playing like they want to win. Like they're, they're playing like their careers right on it. And I like that. That's, that's what it should be about. Yeah. I would have to say, you know, Miami's just big surprise for me. Didn't see this coming. Right. But in the end, you know, you watch these games and you start to think, you know, what does this team remind me of? And it's, it's like playing Pat Riley's New York Knicks back in the nineties. Right. And, it's just hard basketball. You have to earn every point you're going to score against them. You know, Michael didn't like playing against the Knicks. They put him on the ground, right? So it's, you know, it's tough basketball. And this is what we want to see. We don't want to see finesse basketball, right? We've talked about this. That's what's the problem with yep. the Bucks. And so I think this will be a terrific matchup if they continue to move on and meet the Lakers in the finals because – the Lakers matching up against Miami is going to have a hard time because Miami can slow the game down. And if you can slow the game down, that's, you know, you're going to have to make them use the 24 second clock, you know, LeBron and AD, which will wear them down. If you got to make them uh, earn those points in the paint. Right. So yeah, I think Miami, they, I, I, we want to see them in the finals because I think it will be a terrific matchup. Totally, man. So that brings me to my next question, which you guys have partially answered. But which which team remaining has the best chance to beat the Lakers? I'm going Miami. Same. Yeah. Right. Yeah, Miami. That's. I don't think Boston can compete against the Lakers. Um, we also don't want to see a Celtic Laker final again. We've had too many of those oh, over man. the last four decades. Yeah. So no, I think Miami's got it. That totally matters. So we're all in agreement on that. It's unanimous. Miami has the best chance to take down the Lakers. Of course. So, totally, man. Like, like, yeah, Bam can pl- actually play defense. Like, we saw that that block he had on Tatum just ending the game. What what uh, Magic Johnson called the, the greatest block of all time. <laughs> Some would say LeBron James' chase down block was the greatest block of all time. I would say it wasn't. This one was better. <laughs> let, let, let's put it this way. Do the Nuggets have any one man who could guard, potentially guard, LeBron James? No. Jeremy Grant would be the closest option. Or Paul Millsap. He, he's, if, if he can keep up laterally, he's pretty, he's a pretty stocky guy. Like he can, you're not going to get pushed around. Does Boston have any one man who could potentially guard LeBron James? No. Marcus Smart could become an irritant, but that's about it. <laughs> now, does Miami have any one man who could potentially guard LeBron James? There's one man for the job, and that man is Jimmy G. Buckets, baby. Yo, I forgot about that. I was going to say Andre Iguodala <laughs> or Jay Crowder. Well... I- Iguodala, Iguodala could. Iguodala could. Yeah. To be fair, he once won the Finals MVP for shutting down LeBron. <laughs> He's done it before. <laughs> He's not afraid of LeBron James, the way that some teams are. 
Pat Riley and Spolster are not afraid of LeBron James. They, they, you know, I mean, they, they, they were on the same team. They know that this man can be beat because they were there when LeBron James got beat. Wouldn't it be ironic? Wouldn't it be ironic if LeBron James forms this amazing super team only to get beaten by his old his old squad? with a bunch of, you know, rookies, right? <laughs> so, and then what would his finals record be at that point? Three and seven, just a side note. I don't know. <laughs> hey, you're going to have a lot of haters on your podcast, man. Hey, every, you know what? I'm, I'm just going to take a moment here. I'm just going to, everyone says that he is the greatest player of all time, including himself, which is Kind of like stupid. I don't remember Jordan saying he was the greatest player of all time. After Before you say anything, do you really want to get into that discussion on your podcast, man? Yo, not today. Not, to, not today. <laughs> That's a long discussion, man. Hey, I'm not going to get into it today because I know I'm going to wait till I got some some guys that are LeBron supporters. Wait till we get Denzel up in here. But <laughs> Ooh, Kelvin, man. Yeah. It's too easy now because we, we're just piling on. There's no resistance, but... But anyways, all I'm going to say is Jordan has twice as many rings as LeBron James. Typically, when somebody is twice as good, twice as, good as you, you're not better than them. <laughs> so it's just simple math. Anyways, we'll end that discussion there. <laughs> no. uh, and Brandon is an accountant. Would you have anything to add? Based on your math, is, is LeBron better than... <laughs> The, the only the only stat that matters the only stat that matters is six and zero. Oh. That's all we can that's all we can say. Michael's never lost, right? So totally. that's his record. That's it. So we go to the All NBA teams. Um, I don't know if you got guys had a chance to look at that, but is was there anything any notable missions or people that didn't belong there? <laughs> I'm gonna start with me. Ben Simmons. Um, he played 57 games. Devin Booker should have been on that list instead of him. Devin Booker got his team to the playoffs, even though Adam Silver rigged it. So <laughs> they had enough wins, but didn't get in. But anyways, he, he had enough wins to get in the playoffs. He played 70 games, which is 13 more than Ben Simmons. He averaged eight or nine points more per game, only one assist less. So Ben Simmons averaged, you know, maybe four more rebounds. So you're going to give Ben Simmons the nod for one extra assist and four more rebounds when he played 13 less games and scored nine less points per game. So, yeah, no, Ben Simmons shouldn't have been on the list to me. Fonz, you got anything on that? or Why is Giannis Antetokounmpo <laughs> on the first team, All-NBA? <laughs> Yo. So you, you you don't even think he's on the first team All NBA? You don't even think I he's think a top he might, five player? You don't think he's a top I think, five player? I think he might be second team, <laughs> for sure, but not first team. <laughs> Who would you have on the first team? As opposed to Antetokounmpo? Yeah. I'm trying to find somebody on the second team that I could swap him out for so that I'm not, like, <laughs> pulling people from midair. Man, I would say Damian Lillard. I know I've given the man a lot of hate, but he he truly deserves a lot more than he's getting from, from the league and from fans. Fair enough, man. Brandon, you got any takeaways from the all-NBA teams? Um, I guess the third t- third team i guess go gobert was on the list right yeah and i don't think he was the best player on his own team so that one's a bit confusing um because really it should be mitchell and i i think i have a problem now with these all-star teams because in an era where we play positionless basketball right why we need to like why can't we just go best five you know second best five whatever because that's how Gobert got here is because, okay, there's only X amount of centers, right? They're decent. They needed a big man. So a lot of, yeah, exactly, right? So I don't know. I think this needs to change. Uh, and the other – I just felt Kawhi yeah, – you can argue the amount of games he was playing, but I think Kawhi should have been top five. That's all. Was Kawhi in the second team? 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Okay, man. So we go to our next segment. It's called Slam Dunk Layup Foul or Flagrant. You know the rules. Slam Dunk. You agree with it? It's great. Flagrant. It's terrible. The first headline: Mike D'Antoni not returning as the head coach of the Houston Rockets. Fawns. Um, I say good for him. I think he got tired of having to deal with with Harden and as of recent Westbrook, who, I mean, he's not a LeBron James in terms of trying to micromanage, but he also doesn't seem like he'd be the easiest guy to deal with in a locker room. Um, But I say good for him. I mean, there's been a lot of talk about the Pacers picking him up. Uh, I think that would be a really good fit for him because, I mean, if you've got uh, Victor Oladipo working with Mike D'Antoni, I mean – there's a endless the sky's the limit in terms of potential for for Victor Oladipo and and the, and the the Pacers. So you you're gonna go slam dunk on it? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go layup. I'll layup, I'll go layup. So you you took it from the perspective of Mike D'Antoni, which was interesting. I was thinking from the perspective of Houston Rockets. So I'm gonna go from that angle, and I'm gonna say it's flagrant. Mike D'Antoni has led that team to new heights the last few years. And the amount of disrespect that this man has received, they did not even offer him a new contract. They didn't extend him. Apparently, the owner refused to even call him after. And that's what made him decide to leave. Like, the door was still open until the owner didn't call him after the season ended. And then he told him. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, go ahead. Sorry. No, I'm sorry for interrupting. I'm just saying that that is right what you're saying because he had said the day before that he was looking forward to come coming back. Yeah. Yeah. So to, yeah, no. Mike D'Antoni's the perfect coach for that team. If they're gonna go small, he's the guy. And this this is okay. Daryl Morey is the guy that is imposing the small ball. Like I don't know necessarily if Mike D'Antoni was the driving force behind starting P.J. Tucker at center, I think that came from the top down. Like, Mike D'Antoni's not an idiot, right? You know, he played with Amari Stoudemire. He played with Dwight Howard. He knows how to play with big men as well. Um, From the perspective of Mike D'Antoni, I don't know what to say, man. Foul or layup? I mean, he's going to have another good opportunity. You know what? A good fit for him, I, I think, might be Philadelphia. See if he can unlock Ben Simmons. Philadelphia is looking for a coach, <laughs> so that might be that might be the guy. See if they can get that team playing some good offense, right? Brandon. Yeah, it's a layup. Um, you kind of mentioned what I was going to say is again, Mike was the victim of whatever the GM was putting together, right? So the uh, Daryl Morey is a bit of an analytics analytics guy, so. This is what he felt was going to work. So, but a lot of people just blame Mike D'Antoni for the reason why they can't play defense and things like that, right? So, like you said, he can only do what he or use what he has, right? Um, I think a good landing spot for for Mike would be, you know, if you're a team that okay, you don't you're not considered let's say top four, top five. Maybe you're a team that's maybe two years away from being great. He's a good fit to come in and just see if you can just. You never know, right? You catch lightning in a bottle and you keep moving on right with uh, his style of offense right so you know the 76ers is not a bad uh, place for him as well as the Pacers these are teams that are kind of just behind you know in terms of the top tier teams but you know with him injecting some offensive genius into it they could do quite well yeah man the next next headline the Greek freak unfollowing all his teammates on social media and coaches and owner and all staff. <laughs> Brandon, we start with you. How do you rate that decision by the Greek freak? <laughs> uh, flagrant. <laughs> I, I don't have anything to add to it. It's just, it's just, it seems very silly, uh, silly to me for a guy who's supposed to be the, the top, you know, your best player, your leader. If that's what he's doing, it sends a lot of mixed messages, right? Right. It's confusing for sure. Fonz? I'm going to say foul. I think he's just going to pull a Kevin Durant. Unless they can, like, amass 
a very large amount of money and put together a sweet. Is he a free agent? One more year. One more year. Okay. One or one or two. I can't remember. Then he he's most likely trying to pull a Kawhi, where he's trying to force a trade, where he's just trying to get so so ear. He just. It it seems like he's just kind of cr- trying to create such a problem to where he forces them to send him somewhere else. And, I mean, it's not really a very – it's not a good, in terms of sportsmanship, a good move. It's not very honorable, per se. But, I mean, I do think that if they parted ways with him, they could start to build off of – their bench and start building up their their uh, their front court a bit. Yeah, I'm gonna go flagrant. I don't know why completely Giannis did this. If it was just because he wanted to like avoid distraction and just restart and just because apparently he only kept seven contacts like his family members or something. So if it's just for that, I'm like okay. But as Brandon mentioned, what kind of message does it send to his team, right? You know, maybe he could have, like, kept his teammates on at least. I mean, that's only, like, 10 guys, right? So, so I think there's more to it than that. I think, like Fonz mentioned, he might be trying to get his way out of there. And that's not a good look for a player, especially one that keeps saying, you know, he's committed to Milwaukee, right? So, he's sending mixed signals. He's, he's telling us he's committed to winning there, and he's doing stuff that indicates he's a malcontent where he's at. He doesn't feel like he has enough talent around him. So, I think it's yeah, it's flagrant, man. You gotta, you gotta be, you gotta be better than that in the playoffs, and not be worrying about social media, man. <laughs> the next one, this one's for you, Brandon. Paul George saying that this season wasn't championship or bust. <laughs> no, that's a flagrant on uh, playoff P. <laughs> no, it's just uh, it shows you how. Uh, unaware he was of the what the Clippers were trying to do this year by essentially just mortgaging off the future. They were really trying to win now. And if he can't get that, uh, I don't know what you could, what other signals you can tell them other than they wasted four first-round draft picks on him. So, yeah, it's to me, it's just, he just doesn't get it. I'm going to have to agree with you. Flagrant. That is totally flagrant. What do you mean? What do you mean it's not championship or bust? As Brandon mentioned, they traded five first-round picks this year. Like, they mortgaged the future for the present. If, that, if it's not championship or bust, then what is it? Are they, you know, they're not worried about the future. They're worried about now, which is the very essence of championship or bust. So, yeah, to me, it, it sounds like he's trying to, you know, take the heat off himself or take the, the pressure off by saying, you know, and it's true that they could come back next year and put it all together. But this year was a colossal flop. It was a colossal failure. They, they came up short. There's no excuses for it. Flagrant. Fawns? I'm going to go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agree with you. It's a flagrant. I mean, I, that just proves how little he was or how unserious he was taking this. For you to be able to to lose to lose in a game seven, like so close to making it into the next round, you lose, and you say, "Oh no, we weren't we weren't really worried about this year. Like nobody really expected anything." Ask Kawhi if he expected anything. Actually, no, don't ask Kawhi because he's not gonna say anything. <laughs> ask any of the other guys that are on there if they were taking this seriously. Ask any of those other guys, "Did you want to win this year?" And I can bet you. That they're gonna say, yeah, of course we wanted to win. I mean, we were this, they were that close. All they had to do was win one more game. They had three tries to do so. I mean, you can't get that close and not want to win. Yeah, man, that's nuts. It's nuts. So we we go to our last one, our last uh, headline here: Russell Westbrook. <laughs> were, you, were you watching that game when he engaged with a? a fan, which they didn't show until after, turned out to be Rajon Rondo's brother. The guy gets ejected. What is the word you have for that interaction there in the game? 
Okay, so first on the on 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 the interaction on Rondo's brother or on Westbrook's reaction, which of the three? No, pick one. <laughs> okay, Re- Westbrook's reaction is a slam dunk, <laughs> hands down slam dunk. If you are not on the court, you need to sit down, watch the game, and keep your mouth shut. <laughs> If you if you're not on the court, I mean, if you're on the bench, okay, yeah, then you have bragging rights. But if you're not in the league, if you're just sitting there, you have absolutely no right to be talking smack to somebody who's on the court playing in the playoffs. Right. And it's not like he's just some like washed up old like Paul Pierce out there, who says he could drop fifty on on any team in the playoffs nowadays. This is one of the most athletic dudes that has ever been seen on the hardwood and i mean rajon rondos is a trash talker his brother is probably comes down the same you know genealogical line (laughs) but still man if you're not on the court you just you can't be especially i mean i don't know what he said specifically it could have just been if i recall I, i think i read it he may have said trash (laughs) <laughs> oh, oh man. Okay, then I'll br- if that if that's all he said, I'll bring it down from a flagrant to a foul. Because I mean, you also at that level you do have to be able to take take the heat and pressure, which Westbrook does tend to be a bit of a baby when it comes to losing. But he he rocks the baby and he is the baby. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll I'll say. <sighs> I'm going to say layup just because it, it, it kind of goes both ways. It, it was bad on, on, on Rondo's brother's part, of course, but Westbrook has a point in, in getting upset, but he also did overreact quite a bit. Yeah, I'm going to go foul on that one. Uh, there is a rule, apparently, in the bubble that fans cannot negatively interact with the players just because it's like so quiet in there. They can hear everything you say. If this was a like a regular playoff game, there'd be so much noise that Rondo's brother would never be noticed um, from where he was sitting, right? So this is kind of a unique circumstance. Like you said, he didn't he didn't really say that much bad stuff. He just called Westbrook or the team trash. <laughs> but Westbrook's reaction, you know, was a little volatile. Uh, Rondo's brother got ejected. I I don't think his brother should have got ejected. To me, that, that kind of just adds to the, the embarrassment there. I, I guess he did technically break uh, a team or NBA rule there, but it, it seemed a little to, – to get ejected is kind of embarrassing just for saying the word trash. But, yeah. Brent? Uh, it's a slam dunk. I'm, I'm fine with all this. It's, uh, it reminds me of 1994-1995, right, with uh, – Reggie Miller and Spike Lee. It's, yeah. Sometimes these interactions, just these frictions, it's, you know, especially when it's part of the playoffs, I'm fine with it. It's both, you know, people are emotional when it comes to the playoff, right? So I'll give them a break on both. But didn't Westbrook call for him to get ejected? Probably. Because <laughs> he, 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 I, 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 when I was watching the game and they were all like during the commotion, he kind of said, like, who who was it? Who was it when the official was holding him back? And then he called it another one of the referees over and pointed towards the stand. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me, but I think he was kind of a bit sensitive from just getting getting their, their totally uniforms man. handed to them. <laughs> totally, man. Totally, man. So we're going to go to Basketball IQ, the trivia game with high stakes, which usually, usually involve pain, embarrassment, and an uncomfortable <laughs> things for myself. But only, only if, if the contestant gets it right. Usually I make the questions hard enough that there's very little chance of me putting myself out there for that kind of abuse. But we're, we're, we're gonna get it started right here. So first of all, Fonz, what is the penalty if I get this question? If you get this question right, because you're the one that's gonna have to answer it. <laughs> So, I chose the penalty last time, yeah. so I want to let Brandon pick it this time, this week. 
Okay. Brandon? Uh, okay. Uh, this is like I the, the kickoff said... and Fawn's deferred <laughs> to the set. <laughs> Well, last week, because you said it was, uh, you wanted him to to dunk, right? Is that correct? I wanted to see a dunk to himself off the backboard. <laughs> Yo, okay, man. but let's let's stick with that. We want to see you oh. dunk, but we want to see we want to see you uh, do it blindfolded, like Cedric Savall. Off the we're backboard. Gonna go, we're gonna go old school. No, no, you don't have to. You just gotta dunk blindfolded, oh, okay. just like just like in the dunk contest. A few years ago, I would have said, "Yeah, bring it on." Like, I honestly don't even know. That's that's kind of dangerous. I don't even know if I'm. If I mathematically, I, mean, right? I don't know that's if I'm mathematically <laughs> competent anymore. No, like that, that's like straight up dangerous, six, man. I've been sitting at home for six months. Anyways, danger, bring it on. This is what basketball IQ is about. That's a spinal right there. This is spinal. <laughs> end up in a coma. As a spine tingler. <laughs> smack it off the rim. It will make for an entertaining video. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna need I'm gonna need Fonz that I'm gonna need you to come and jo- jo- join me then, you know, just to film it, you know? Okay. Anyways, yeah, we'll, you we'll, just we'll, text me when and where. We'll work out those details <laughs> after if you get this question right. Cue the music. Cue oh. the music. Fonz. Rajon Rondo has been a four-time NBA All-Star. Name two of the years that Rajon Rondo was an NBA All-Star. Man, I'm drawing blanks here. I bet Brandon knows them. Uh, I'm gonna say, and this is just a guess. Two thousand four and two thousand five. There will be no blindfolded dunk. That is incorrect. Rondo was—I don't even know if he was in the league. I think he was a rookie in two thousand seven. Uh, oh, really? I was thinking between two thousand nine, twelve, right? Somewhere in between. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Brett, no, oh man, I thought he was a lot older. <laughs> twenty ten to twenty thirteen. Oh, dude. No, he, he came in. I think it was his first year or second year. When Boston took the chip in 2008, he was a young right. guy there, right? And then once they kind of moved on from the big three, that's when it kind of became his team. And that's when he was putting up those monstrous numbers, like 12 assists per game. His highest was 11.7 one year. So, and that's that's when he was killing it, 2010 to 2013 as a Celtic. How old is this guy? I think he's, he's 30. Oh, dude, I thought he was like 40. Or, why does he look 40, man? <laughs> I thought he's been in the league since like 2002 or something. Oh my no, goodness. He's... <laughs> oh man, sorry to disappoint, Brandon. That's all right. The challenges keep getting harder, but so do the questions. <laughs> <laughs> Missed it by that much. All right. So now we go to our last segment. It's called Buzzer Beater. I didn't prearrange this. It's the first time we're calling it buzzer beater, but it's basically the same as the last word, where one of our participants goes on a one-minute rant about something they're passionate about. I can see Fawns licking his lips and folding his hands. Does that, does that mean you have something for us, Fawns? I do, I do, and it's something that we haven't talked about tonight, which is the Toronto Raptors. <laughs> Yo, did, oh. I, com- did I completely, I, I completely glossed over the Raptors. That was one of our segments. <laughs> Anyways, here it is. Take the, take it. Man, I I love me some Kyle Lowry. I love me some Fred VanVleet. That is, those are two of the toughest point guards in the league. I mean, under six two, and these dudes are 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 taking over games as if they were six foot six, six foot seven. Uh, I think the Raptors played amazing, uh, considering what they have at the moment. Uh. But during that Boston series, it really showed that there's a bit of a flaw in their lineup. I think they put a lot of pressure on Pascal Siakam, and I don't think he was quite ready to pick that pressure up. Now, my question is, what on earth are they doing in practice? How is it possible that a team that 
just comes from winning a championship, which, yes, okay, I'll give it to them. They won that championship with Kawhi, so they had star power. But how is it possible that a team that is known, has been known for years for being one of the best teams in terms of playing as a unit, playing as a group, how is it possible that at least 85% of all of their possessions, all of their offense is based off of one pass and a shot? Give us some ball movement. Give us some... I mean, it would, the way Boston was playing was gorgeous compared to what Toronto was doing because you saw a lot of ball movement from Boston. But Toronto was just, they would come, they would fast break, pass it, brick. Fast break, Pascal would spin one way, he got caught off, spin the other, try to put up a layup, brick. It, they were just all over the place. I think that they, I don't think that they need to add anything or remove anything. I think that they're good the way they are. They just need to figure out that sweet spot without Kawhi. Kyle Lowry is a beast. Fred Van Vliet is a beast. Um, Nick Nurse should have sat Pascal Siakam. Yes, towards the end when, I mean, he caused like 20 points off of turnovers. But, I mean, hey, I'm surprised they got as far as they did playing the way they did. And with that, I will say Kawhi should have stayed. They would have gone back to back. Buddy's probably crying his eyes out right now saying, did I seriously leave a championship team to come play with playoff Pete? Yo, LeBron, uh, Kawhi's a fun guy, okay? <laughs> Anyways, that is another episode of Vancouver Hoops. Join us again. We'll be right back after this round, and we're going to preview the NBA Finals next time. So we got going to have a lot to talk about. Check us out on uh, Instagram or Twitter or uh, whatever social media you use. Also, uh, listen to us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, whatever, wherever you get your podcasts, man. Hashtag basketball. Thanks for joining us, guys. We'll see you around. Peace. See ya.